Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson. I'm the Director of Student Ministry Matters. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, in today's podcast, we have a special guest with us, and we're going to be talking about Generation Z. And so I just want you to be listening, and I want you to be sharing. If you're enjoying this podcast, let others know about it. We want to connect. That's one of our core tenets, one of the core things about us. And I just really want you to reach out to us. Um, you can do that in a number of ways. You could email us at info at studentministrymatters.com or get connected with us on social media. We have the Student Ministry Matters Facebook page, of course, and that's that public face. But I'd love for you to request entrance into our group. It's just called Student Ministry Matters Community. And it's a way for you to share things, talk with other youth pastors, and to be involved there. Now, one of the ways that you can get involved in student ministry or other types of ministry is to be involved at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas. So if you're looking to finish a degree in biblical studies, that sort of thing, they're a great place. But maybe you have a student who is looking to get a degree in biology or education. Uh, That is the place for them as well. They're challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And I'd love for you to talk with the folks there. You can find out more information at cbc.edu. Again, that is cbc.edu. Well, again, on today's podcast, we have a special guest. We're talking with uh, author, professor, Dr. Tim McKnight, and we're thrilled that he's on the program with us. Uh, Welcome to the program, Dr. McKnight. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Dr. McKnight is the author of Engaging Generation Z, Raising the Bar for Youth Ministry, and No Better Gospel, George Whitfield's Theology and Methodology of Evangelism. He's also the editor of the student ministry textbook from B&H Academic entitled Navigating Student Ministry, Charting Your Course for the Journey. And if you're going to be at the Student Ministry Workers Retreat, we are going to be giving out a copy of that book as one of our door prizes. And so I'm excited about that. Hope that we'll see you there. You can get registered. There's still time to do that. Well, uh, Tim is the director of the Global Center for Youth Ministry and associate professor of missions and student ministry at Anderson University's Clamp Divinity School in Anderson, South Carolina. He received his Master's of Divinity in Missions and his Ph.D. in Evangelism, Missions, and Church History from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He pastored churches throughout Kentucky, Alabama, North Carolina, and South Carolina. He's also a veteran, having served as an infantry chaplain in the U.S. Army, deploying on Operation Noble Eagle and Operation Enduring Freedom. Tim serves as a church planter and lead pastor at Mosaic Church of Anderson, a church that seeks to reach people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Tim, uh, we are just thrilled that you're on the podcast with us. Um, we love uh, to just to connect with others that care about students and that want to share some of those things. 
You know, our audience is made up of full-time, part-time, bivocational and volunteer student ministry workers. And I know that they're all happy to hear from you today. Well, they're my heroes reaching out to the next generation with the gospel and they're in the trenches doing that. And so we love to encourage and equip folks who are working with students. Well, thanks again, Tim. The place I want to start is where I like to start with many of our podcast guests is is your faith story. How did you come to meet Jesus? My parents are both believers and were believers when I was born. And so I was raised within a church environment and they brought me to worship and made sure that I was in Sunday school. But I knew a lot about Jesus, but didn't come to know Christ as my Lord and Savior till I was 17. Mm-hmm. And I lived kind of one life as a middle schooler and early high schooler uh, from Monday through Friday and another life, you know, on on Sunday and both of those lives were were much different. And so I I kind of wanted Jesus as my savior, but I didn't want him to have control of my life as Lord. And you and I both know that he he's going to demand both right. if we're going to follow him. And so it wasn't until I was 17 I was actually leading a Bible study on a youth mission trip and my my best friend and I are leading these kids in vacation Bible school in the story of blind Bartimaeus. And the Holy Spirit was like, that's you. You're the blind guy that's just groping through life, trying to find uh, something and and you need Christ. And so my friend was like, hey, if you guys want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can pray this prayer after me. And so I knelt down with the eight-year-old on one side, 10-year-old on the other side. He said, no, no, it's for the kids. And I'm like, no, no, it's for me. And so he's like, okay, we're going to do this. And so I, I gave my life to Christ and surrendered control of my life to him uh, between my junior and senior year of high school. And when I got to the high school as a senior, my friends were like, man, you've changed. I'm like, yeah, I have, you know, the Lord's, the Lord's changed me and he's given me new life. And uh, I didn't uh, abandon my friends, but I just wasn't doing the things that they were doing previously. And, and so I, I felt a burden to reach my lost friends with the gospel. Cause I knew that they were going down dead end streets that I'd gone down and I didn't want them doing that. And so that really started my interest in student ministry, I think, from the time that I was uh, converted, uh, was basically to share the gospel with my my lost friends. You were willing to set aside any sort of pride, any sort of, well, barriers that were in the way and just accept that free gift. Man, that's exciting. Well, who invested in you during your teenage years? You know, you mentioned how those moments and those interests and concerns for your friends kind of led you to in the student ministry. But were there some people in your church, in your faith community that were pouring into you? I had a youth pastor. My dad was in the military and we were stationed at Fort Meade, Maryland. So I was at Meade High School and we were members of a church. Actually, my parents were members of a church called Severn Baptist Church in Severn, Maryland. And the youth pastor there, his name was John Riley. And even though I was a lost kid, John would minister to me and he knew I had an interest in music. And so, you know, he took me to back then it was the Baptist bookstore oh, yeah. and <laughs> took a took me to the demo tape wall and said, pick out any demo tape, you know, that you li- you can listen to these demo tapes and pick out a tape that you want to to buy and I'll buy this for you so that you can you can listen to it. And I I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't know what they're going to hear because, you know, no offense to Michael W. Smith or no offense to Amy Grant, but I was like a hard right guy back then. And <laughs> and I saw this tape, this demo tape from a group called the Altar Boys, and they all had mohawks and spiked hair and everything. And I was like, oh, this looks pretty good. And then I, I played it. And I'm like, man, these guys can play. 
And so John bought me that tape. He started teaching me how to play guitar. And I still didn't give my life to Christ under John's ministry, but John was really the first one that kind of connected me uh, to the gospel and also helped me understand that, you know, hey, you you don't have to to give up some of your interest or you don't have to give up some of these things that that you just really enjoy doing, like playing music in order to follow Christ. You know, Christ can redeem those things in your life and and you use them for his glory. And so it was about two years later that I gave my life to Christ, but John was really the pivotal person, I think, that that really started that that journey for me. It just reminds me that we have where we can feel like we're not making a difference. And then later on, we hear back. I think about a young man who was in, involved in my ministry and when I was in Kilgore, Texas. And years later, his mother called and left a message for me. I wasn't there at the time to receive the call. And that was before <laughs> cell phones and um, found out that he had faithfully ministered to those that were in his unit and he had actually been killed in action. But Mm. for years he talked about the ministry that we had there in Kilgore. And it's just, it's a good reminder that we may not see the results, but God is good. Mm. Yeah. John, you know, Facebook allowed me to reconnect with John. I lost touch with him, you know, because we moved because my father got transferred to another uh, duty assignment. And so here at Anderson, uh, John was close by in, in Georgia, and I preached chapel, invited him to come preach chapel, and gave my testimony. And actually, he had no clue, you know, no oh, clue wow. that, hey, this guy was a lost <laughs> kid, and I had this, you know. So it's like what you're saying, you know, for him, he was like, I didn't even know, you know, that that I had that influence. And I'm like, you never know as a student minister what little things God will use, you know, whether it's taking a kid to a store to, to buy, a you know, a tape or you know, whatever it might be, you never know what God's going to use in order to make an eternal change in the life of a student. So I want to encourage the people who are listening. It, it really is loving the Lord, loving students, being with students, discipling them, hanging out with them. And those times that are informal, that aren't planned, are really the times God uses to make an eternal difference in the life of a student. You mentioned really almost from the start of this desire to to help your your friends but how did you know that ministry was for you that that was something you wanted to invest your life in i worked at a interdenominational wilderness camp right after i graduated from high school and while i was doing my quiet time by the lake i came on the story of peter and his restoration with christ at the end of john's gospel and peter denied christ you know three times and And then Jesus in that restoration, beautiful passage says, Peter, do you love me three times and restores him to ministry. And God used that passage to basically draw me into ministry. I had kids at that camp that were saying, hey, Tim, when you share uh, the Bible stories, we understand them the way we never have. And God's really using you. But I didn't feel worthy of that on my life. I didn't feel worthy of that call. I knew who I was. Uh, You know, I knew even as a teenager that you know, I didn't have the best past as far as making decisions and different things like that. And so, so I was like, Lord, I'm not worthy of this. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't have what it takes to be a pastor or a shepherd. You know, I, I'm not good enough for, for the, for the ministry. And so I really ran from the call uh, until I was a junior in college and I was a law enforcement major, Bluefield College, Bluefield, Virginia, November 18th, 1991. 
and the Lord had shut. I was going aviation in the military. That was what I was studying to do. I wanted to be an Apache attack helicopter pilot. And then my sophomore year, hey, you need glasses. Well, if you know anything about flying, you're not going to pass a flight physical if you can't yeah. see, right? So so God shut that door, and he's like, okay, are you, you going to keep running? And by the time November 18th, 1991 rolled around, I was doing my quiet time in my, my college dorm, and open up the Bible was uh, scheduled a reading for that day. And it happened to be the end of John's gospel and the story of Peter being restored to ministry. And the Lord was like, Oh, you done running yet? And so he <laughs> impressed upon me, Hey Tim, you know, it's not about your ability and it's not about your qualifications. No one really is qualified for ministry because we're all sinners who are desperately in need of the grace and mercy that we find in Christ Jesus in the gospel. And so the Lord kind of broke me down and basically it came down to the question, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to be faithful to what I'm calling you to do? And I just surrendered to the call that, that morning and have really never looked back. I've never felt worthy of that call. I've never felt like, Oh yeah, this is something that, that I deserve to do. I've always felt unworthy and blessed and privileged uh, to be called of God to shepherd and and preach the gospel. And so that's how God called me into ministry. And one big question that I had with that call was, can I do anything else and be fulfilled? Can I do anything else and be satisfied? Yeah. And, I, you know, Christ is the only one. He's my sole satisfaction. Ministry is not my Savior. Jesus Christ is my Savior. But when it comes to my vocation, uh, I can think of nothing else that I can do and be fulfilled besides ministry. Well, part of our call is, of course, to reach the generation that's in front of us. And recently you wrote Engaging Generation Z. Our listeners can't see you. I can. Uh, but we're both uh, Generation X guys. Uh, that's where that's right. we're at age-wise. And so we are separated generationally from the current generation that, that's being ministered to. And I would say not just a little, but a lot. Many of the people that we ministered to in, in our early days of our ministry were millennials, and now it's it's Gen Z. But we want to talk about that Gen Z. And so can you describe for us the generation to which we're ministering? What, what are some qualifications or some characteristics of the generation there in front of us? That's a great question. So the first characteristic I would say is they're the largest generation in the history of the country. And so there's just this volume of people demographically that they are a part of. So it's a largest generation. And you see this in marketing, right? You see these advertisements are targeted toward largely Gen Z. You know, you and I are Gen Xers. How much 80s music do you hear actually in any commercials now? It, it, there was a blip on the radar. You may hear some retro stuff. Don't stop believing, the, but that's going to be because it's on some Gen Z movie somewhere, right? Right. So, <laughs> so we're a blip, but Gen Z has so much volume, the marketing uh, people are trying to really, really target them and why they've just, it's a largest generation. And that gives them great potential for impact. And that impact can be positive, negative. But if that generation comes to Christ, wow, what potential there. Safety is another issue with Gen Z. So they are the only generation that has been through about 20 years of war. So I deployed um, September 18th, 2001. I began Homeland Defense. And then in January, we went on Enduring Freedom. We were doing uh, Enduring Freedom in Europe. But really from 2001 until about last year, 
the country has been at war and Gen Z has been a part of a nation at war. And then in 2008, they went through a financial recession. And so this causes Gen Z to really yearn for safety and to yearn for some stability. So that's another characteristic. They are also dialed in to technology. They're dialed into the internet. They're dialed into social media. And, you know, I'm Captain Obvious. I know when I'm saying all this because we all know this if we work with students. But that's that's a characteristic. They've always had cell phones. And when they turn 13, they probably got a smartphone. Uh, and there's a lot we could say about that probably in another podcast. But But they probably got a smartphone. That has an influence upon their life. When it comes to gender identity, they, uh, a good number of them, over 50% would say it's fluid. And so they don't have like a grounding of, is there male or female? Is there a biblical manhood or biblical womanhood? Or are there two genders? How many, they, they would say gender is fluid. And so that is for the a majority of them, their standpoint, only 4% have a biblical worldview. So 96% don't. And so that's their background. More than any generation, they are a blank slate spiritually. And they're, they're just open to, to whatever might be out there spiritually. They're spiritual beings, but they're a blank slate. Another characteristic is in some ways they're growing up too fast. You know, they get exposed to pornography at about the age of eight or nine. In other ways, they're growing up too slow in that if I ask folks who are in institutions like college or the church or whatever, hey, what type of um, emotional hardness or emotional durability do these Gen Zers have? A lot of them will say, hey, they're fragile emotionally. If somebody counters an argument or something like that, they have a hard time with that. And so they really are probably about two years behind you know, where you and I were as Gen Xers emotionally going into college or going into high school or going those, those milestones. And so in some ways they're growing up too fast in some ways they're growing up too slow. And so those are just a few characteristics of the generation. Um, in my book, engaging Gen Z, I really unpack a lot more, Sure, but that's sure. kind of a nutshell of where they are. You know, one of the things that you mentioned about their kind of place a, a maturity uh, in being a couple of years behind us then you add on top of that the the pandemic and how right. that impacted them as well. And I believe that's pulled it. the counselors that I've spoken with have, have shared that they are behind where they should be to begin with. And so absolutely, just some difficult days ahead of us as we seek to, to minister. But so with all of those things in mind, what are some of those unique challenges that we have for engaging them with the gospel? Sure. So, when I talk to my students about the challenges for Gen Z, when I talk to my student ministry students at the university, I say two of the biggest challenges that they're going to have in ministry are the issues of gender identity and the issue of exclusivity when it comes to the exclusivity mm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so when it comes to gender identity, the idea that I'm identifying myself by gender is problematic. My identity is not found in the fact that I'm a male. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. Right. And so if I'm going to engage Gen Z with the gospel, I want to talk about how does Jesus Christ relate to your identity? I'm not going to shy away from biblical approaches to gender. I'm not going to shy away from that at all. And I think one of the challenges that Gen Z has is 
they, they're hesitant, even believers in Gen Z, they're hesitant to hold out the truth of Scripture because they're afraid it may be offensive or they may appear unloving. And so one challenge that we have in, in student ministry is helping our students who are believing students to understand how to hold out the truth in love and the fact that we need both of these things. So if I don't have the, hold out the truth of Scripture, I'm not being loving. If, if I hold out the truth of Scripture without love, that's not loving. So I have to have both of those things, holding out this truth and holding out the love of Christ. So that's one challenge we have, I think, in approaching the generation. Another challenge is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And so some people in Gen Z say, well, you're, the church is too exclusive. Uh, they, they hold people out at arm's length. And in some ways, there are things that we can do about that. So we can be loving towards people. We can maybe not accept what people are doing, their lifestyle or their actions, but meet them where they are and share the gospel with them where they are and, and share the truth of God's word, hoping that the Lord will work life change and, and heart change in their life. But one thing that we cannot compromise on is the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so we don't have an option in as, as disciples of Jesus Christ of trying to find a different way to God. We don't have an option of making it an easy road for any generation. Uh, we have a, a gospel of which we are stewards and ambassadors and so we cannot change that. We don't have the authority. We didn't write the book, so we can't edit the book. So, so God has given us a message, and that message says that there is only one name under which men may, may be saved, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. And so engaging this generation with the truth that Christ is the only way to God. And so those are two big challenges, I think, that we have in student ministry. But I think that, that the Lord empowers us. And when students see the love that we have for them, but at the same time hold out the truth, I have a, a student in my church who uh, claims to be a lesbian. And, and she said to me uh, that she had left all these different churches that she'd been a part of. And I said, I said, why did you not leave uh, our church? And she said, Pastor Tim, she says, you tell me what's true. You tell me what you believe and convictions about what God says and God's word says about my lifestyle, but you love me when you do it. And that probably was the most powerful conversation I've had with a student, you know, that, that I saw that our student ministry was accomplishing what, what we really wanted them to do. She was being engaged with the truth of God's word, engaged with the gospel, but she saw that the people that were engaging her loved her with the love of Christ Jesus. And so I think having that, that conversation with students about, the truth of God's word, not compromising the word of God, but at the same time being loving. And uh, if I, you know, I've heard D.L. Moody talk about if, if you don't talk about lostness or hell without tears in your eyes, uh, then you really don't love people. And so I think that we really have to have the tears of compassion in our eyes as we hold out truth. Well, there are definitely some difficulties that that we're faced with when when trying to share the gospel when trying to preach and, and to love on these students, because it, it's so different. You know, again, as a Gen Xer myself, I, I look sometimes at in my own kids because they fall in that in-between sort of Gen Z, sort of millennials in that in that bracket. And and I just think I don't understand. I mean, I'm at a point where there are just some things that that are coming across on media that I just don't understand. 
And as we look at that, sometimes we can be very doom and gloom. <laughs> this world's going, it's just going down the tubes. Um, but I think there are also, there've got to be some things for us to celebrate about this generation and how they view their faith. So do you have any ideas there for us? Sure. Yeah. Gen Z is an entrepreneurial generation. They are not uh, scared to take risk. And, and that sounds like I'm contradicting myself because they, they say they want safety. But, you know, I look at my sons, I have twin boys that now are 21, but back when they were 12, they're like, dad, can we get Vistaprint to print out some cards about our lawn care business? And I'm like, you can't even haul a, a, a trailer with a lawnmower behind. You're not even driving. How are you going to have, but I didn't say all that. I said, sure, we'll print out these cards. And so they started, you know, handing their business cards out at 12, you know, that they're going to do this lawn care business. And, and that's the spirit of Gen Z. And another, another example, my, my son, uh, when he was probably about 15 or 14, he said, dad, I'm getting on YouTube. I'm playing video games. I'm recording those games, talking about the weapons, equipment, different things on the games, recording that in YouTube. And people, the YouTube is going to pay me to do these videos on YouTube, Dad. You know, and I'm working with a buddy of mine, and and these these game companies have actually said, "Hey, we want you to look at piloting some of these games and checking them out." You know, and so he was really excited about, you know, I'm making fifty cents off of these videos, you know, whatever it might be. But the thing that impressed me was he was entrepreneurial in that. My daughter started beading, making jewelry, you know, uh, beading and making jewelry out of beads. And she said, hey, dad, can I can I go to a Christmas market in town and sell my jewelry? I said, sure, you can do that. And then she goes, hey, dad, you know, we go to eastern Kentucky on missions. And she said, hey, a lot of the, the girls that I encounter in eastern Kentucky, they don't they can't afford jewelry and different things. She said, can I just give my jewelry as part of our mission trip and things like that? Can I do that? I said, Absolutely. But looking at that entrepreneurial spirit, what can that do for the gospel? If you had the largest generation in the history of the country, find ways that they can redeem social media, find ways they can redeem some of the technology they, they're dealing with, find ways that they can share the gospel in, in a new way, you know, not changing the message, but changing the methods. Yeah. Man, if that generation, every major revival has happened uh, between the ages of 17 and 22 in this country, every major, every major revival. So when you got the largest generation in the history of the country that has that entrepreneurial spirit, what a missionary movement. You know, maybe maybe you and I will see the Lord return because Gen Z share the gospel with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and all the nations heard Christ. So so there's potential there. Another thing that it it might appear like a negative, but I see it as a positive, Gen Z's a blank slate spiritually. They don't have baggage. You know, it's it's often said that, especially in the South, which I don't think it's the case anymore, that it's hard to share the gospel in the South because enough people have been inoculated against it. So you got enough gospel to be immune to it. Well, Gen Z's not that way. You know, 96% of them don't have a, a biblical worldview. So you're starting from scratch. And so there's not as much baggage for them to carry around. And I found when we start engaging Gen Z with the gospel, because they're a blank slate, they're more, more open to hear it, especially if you use your testimony as a bridge to share the story of Christ. And they want to hear your story. They want to hear how did God change your life. Now, understand that's your testimony. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the story of Jesus Christ. But your testimony can be a bridge over which the gospel travels. And so what I've seen is effective with Gen Z is they, hey, we want to hear what difference does this Jesus make in your life on a daily basis? That's your testimony. Oh, and by the way, how how did you come to Christ? And why would you follow this 
this person named Jesus? What's, what's the whole, whole deal about that? So they are wide open to hear the gospel. Uh, I see over this past summer, I see a number of friends who are evangelists who are preaching in different, different places in the country. And we're seeing a response from Gen Z that we haven't seen in a long time with, with generations. And I think it's because they're a blank slate. And, you know, when we don't have anything, which all of us don't spiritually, we're desperately in need of someone, as Blaise Pascal said, to fill that God-shaped void in our life. For many listening, they may have a, a youth group of four to eight or 20, or, and the numbers go up from there. But they have a lot of kids that are in that age bracket that maybe have been coming since they were children, so they're engaged in the church. How do we help them who are understanding of the gospel, understanding of the truth of scripture, how do we help them have a faith that lasts beyond high school? Yeah, that's a great question. And one of the things I talk about in engaging Gen Z in the latter part of the book is exactly that question. How do we build a faith that lasts? We've got students that are leaving after they graduate. You know, what's the difference? And I think the difference is relationships with believing adults within the church that are discipleship relationships. One thing that I've seen is there's no silver bullet. It hasn't changed really in over 2000 years that it basically is us talking about Christ and helping someone grow in Christ Jesus through a discipleship relationship. And that happens intergenerationally. It's not just one generation. And so they need older people spiritually who are pouring into them and older people chronologically are pouring into them. Ideally, that would be their parent or legal guardian, the person that they are, they're living with. And some students don't have that opportunity. And so someone in the church has to step up. But if we can disciple the parents within our congregations to disciple their students and, and help them understand, well, what does it mean to exercise these spiritual disciplines in my life of Bible intake and prayer? How do I read the scriptures? And I talk about Seven Arrows, which is a book that Donnie Mathis and Matt Rogers wrote. So you have like the Seven Arrows Study Bible, asking seven questions of a passage of scripture. It's a basic way to interpret scripture. Start at a level like that with, the, with parents first and with the adults in the church, and then help them teach their student how to interpret scripture. And so you have ideally that parent or that legal guardian discipling their student because they spend the most time with them. If that doesn't happen and they don't have that opportunity, someone in the church has to step up. But I think what we found is that when we have that intentional discipleship happening, the students are owning their faith because they're reading God's word on their own. They're not being spoon fed, they're feeding themselves. And so as they feed themselves and they develop those disciplines in their life, they carry on into college or their career after they graduate from our ministries. Well, Tim, uh, I appreciate so much you sharing about some of these unique characteristics, we'll put it that way, of, of Generation Z. Um, because again, we are, we're ministering to this, this age, to this uh, group, but often those that maybe are a little outside of student ministry think of, well, those young people in the church, those are the millennials. No, th- those millennials are now the parents of the Generation Z. And That's so right. a lot has changed. But what words of encouragement would you have for youth pastors and student ministry workers that are in the trenches right now? I think kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, God is faithful even when we are inadequate. God is faithful even though sometimes we feel like we mess up. God will take uh, our worst efforts and redeem them for His glory. And so you may feel like you're tired and you may feel like that you, you're kind of weary of working with students, or you may feel like, hey, I don't feel like I have the answers that I need. 
if we are faithful to seek answers in God's word, if we're faithful to seek his face, if we're faithful to seek in our own personal walk with him, our growth in him, God will use kind of that investment and, and use that as an investment in the kingdom and he'll grow your ministry. He'll grow not necessarily numbers, but in depth and and in the quality of ministry. And as, as you're feeding yourself and as you're feeding yourself spiritually, uh, you're growing in Christ and giving those those students someone to follow and someone an example. You know, Paul said this, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. So you're not pointing them to yourself like a Pied Piper. You're, you're seeking to follow Christ and and in humility, asking them to follow you. And as you're doing that in everyday life, God will use sacred moments that you did not plan in order to make an eternal change in the life of a student. And so the little things that you don't think about that you do, God can use them uh, to to make a difference in the life of a student. And students are are yearning for authentic relationship. Hmm. The church yeah. is the only place that they can find that real relationship and real community. And so I want to encourage you if if you're a youth minister, you don't feel like you have all the answers. You don't feel like you have answer all the questions. I definitely don't have answers to all their questions. I definitely don't have all the answers. Even when we look at the gospel, Paul said it's a mystery. And so there are you know things that we don't know, but we do know Christ. And we do know that we can come to his word and that his word is truth. And we do know that we, we can run to him uh, and we can point our students to him. So I just want you to have the confidence in the word of God and the power and work of the Holy Spirit in your ministry to accomplish what it is meant to accomplish. Thank you, Tim. What resources might you recommend for youth pastors and student ministry workers? Well, you know, of course, I'm going to say, hey, engaging Gen Z is a great resource <laughs> and navigating student ministry, right? But uh, but there's some folks that are doing great work in ministry. Greg Steer is a friend of mine with Dare to Share, and he does a great job of equipping students to share the gospel with their peers and so I would point you to him. YM360 is a group of guys that are putting together a good curriculum. Obviously, you know, I'm coming from a Southern Baptist background, so I know the LifeWay students are putting out some good stuff. But there, there are numerous resources out there for student ministers, more than I think when you and I started in student yeah, ministry. And definitely. So, so you can literally Google it. You know, if, you, if you're looking for it, Google it. Yeah, be discerning, right? But there are resources out there, and those are just a few also, from our standpoint at Anderson University, if you go to auministry.com, auministry.com, we have a, a call to ministry book. One of the things that we're seeing is that we're seeing a number of students that God's stirring up in them a call to ministry. And we're seeing hundreds of students this past summer in camps answer the call to vocational ministry. And so this call to ministry book, you can go to auministry.com. You can download a free PDF of the Call to Ministry book. You can also contact our university and say, hey, I want copies of the book. We will send them to you free. And so auministry.com, Call to Ministry book, that's a good resource for you as well. Excellent, excellent. Tim, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, uh, learn more about Anderson University or talk to you about your books or the ministry that you're involved with, uh, Mosaic Church there in in, uh, your area, how would somebody get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? Best way is just to email me at Tim at drtimmcknight.com. That's Tim at drtimmcknight.com. And shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Um, one thing that I love doing, I still, believe it or not, preach to students. And so I preach camps and also have equipping summits for student workers. So if you need somebody to come in and encourage your 
and equip your student workers. I, I love to do that as well. Um, but the, don't hesitate to shoot me an email. If I can encourage you, equip you in your ministry, I would love to do that. That's, that's what I'm here for. Thank you so much, Tim, for being on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, listeners, I just want to encourage you. Um, you've heard a lot of good things today about reaching the generation that's in front of us, Generation Z. And so let's work together. Let's pray for one another and serve those students, love on them, care for them. And we do all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.